We're in our series, Recalibrate. We're recalibrating some things. So get your Bibles out, your, your iPads, your phones, whatever you use to open it up, and your sermon notes. Your sermon notes are also available on the YouVersion Bible app. So pull those out, and let's open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 4. Recalibrate. Recalibrate. We're making some adjustments in 2018. Starting out the year with our prayer and fasting time, we were talking about the importance of recalibrating and what it is, what the, what the word means. If we're going to recalibrate, you know, we had to understand that re means you got to do the, the next part again. So we got to understand what calibrating is. If we're going to calibrate something, then there's three things. I give you the definition for calibrate. It's kind of lengthy, but I just narrowed it down to three words. I like things simple. So here's the three words about calibrating. Number one, you need to know what the standard is. What are you measuring by? What is your standard for whatever you're doing? What is your standard for being a husband? Is it the other guys at work? They may not always be your best standard. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I don't know. What is your standard for being a wife? What is your standard for being a son or a daughter? What is your standard for being an employee? Is it all the other coworkers? Is it their standard? Is your standard? What is your standard? We got to know that first. If we're going to calibrate our life, we got to know what the first standard is. Number two, once we know what the standard is, now we got to measure ourselves. The second step is about locating ourselves. Where am I in comparison to the standard? Okay, if this is the standard, where am I? Where's my behavior? Where's my attitude? Where's my actions? So what is the gap between me and the standard? That's the difference. And after you know the difference, now it's laying in our lap, like what are we going to do with it? I can either stay where I am and say I don't want to change. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Or we can make some tough decisions and say, you know what, I'm going to begin to conform to the standard. I'm going to make tweaks. I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to change myself so that I can measure up with what God wants me to have. So those three things are very important. And we've been recalibrating different areas of our life, and I think they're all important. Number one, we can recalibrate our bodies through fasting. I believe in, I, I say I love fasting. It's, it's really a love-hate relationship I have with fasting. <laughs> But the thing I know about fasting, it will recalibrate your natural body. Yes. It's one of the best health benefits in your body. You can study out medically. I'm not a doctor. I played one on TV, but I'm not one. You've got to be a certain age to get that joke. But I, I understand this principle that fasting will cleanse your body of some junk. Part of our health problems in the natural is directly related to what we put in our mouth. So I'm not judging anybody, I'm just telling you that's the truth. So we can recalibrate our bodies through some fasting, that's good. Uh, last week we talked about recalibrating our ears, then we can recalibrate our eyes, then uh, next week we're going to recalibrate our mouths. That's going to be really important, what comes out of our mouths, we need to recalibrate that. Then we're going to recalibrate our minds in the last week of it and talk about what do we meditate on, what do we think on. So last week was our ears, this week is our eyes. We're going to recalibrate our eyes today. Now here's something that's important about connecting the eyes and the ears Ears and the eyes. Here's what, here's what the eyes and ears. This is why we started with these two. The ears and the eyes are the gates to your heart. Yes. Yes. The gates. What gets into your heart is determined by what we let in our ears and through our eyes. So my question to us is, are we manning, manning or are we guarding our gates? You and I, we are the gatekeepers of our hearts. What gets into our heart is our responsibility. I'm going to wait. 
What people do to me is not my responsibility. What gets in my heart is absolutely my responsibility. I can't control what someone does, but I can control whether I open the gate or not and let it get in. Come on, you got to feel me this morning because there's, we, we got to close our gates off. So we, we talked about the ears, about being careful what we let in our ears. We talked about the different voices. Remember this, the voice that you hear the loudest in your life, that is the image you will become. The voice that's the loudest in your life will determine the the image that you grow into. So if I hear that I'm worthless, no good for nothing, over, and that's the voice I hear on a regular basis, guess what? That's going to shape my identity. The voice you hear, if you hear things from people that's not what God says and you keep listening to that voice and you let it in your heart, you will start to shape and conform your identity around what you hear. So that's important. We've got to close that gate off. Number two is our eyes. We're going to talk about recalibrating our eyes. Why is that? Because we don't all see things the same way, do we? I mean, three people can see the same car accident. And if you interviewed them after and said, hey, what happened? You would get three different perspectives. Why is that? Because we don't see. We see and hear things through our own filter. Have anybody ever said something to someone And you knew the meaning behind it. You knew what you meant. You said it. And then they responded back to you. And you thought, how in the world did you get that out of what I just said? Married people say amen. (laughs) And it happens with your friends too. It's the danger of the society we live in with with the texting. Because you can't hear tone in text, can you? You can't, you can't read feeling. I mean, let's say all caps. You know, they're, they're putting it out there. If you got all caps and 17 exclamation points, they might be trying to say something. I don't know. But we don't see and hear things sometimes by what's said. We see and hear it through our own filter. Sometimes it's a filter of our own backgrounds and experiences. Sometimes it's our upbringing. We see things through our own lenses. And one of the biggest dangers in our life is that we get the wrong standard on how we judge the reality of what's going on in our life. So we're going to talk about recalibrating because we want to see clearly what's going on. We want to see clearly what's happening. We we don't want to miss a thing in this day and this hour. I don't want you to miss what God's doing in your life. So we need to see clearly. We're going to talk about how to do that. So let's see what the standard is. Standard for our eyes. Talks about three things. Again, we incorporate the same principles. Number one, standard for our eyes. What should my eyes be looking at? What am I supposed to be looking at? You're going to ask yourself that question today. Number two, what is the difference? In other words, what am I looking at that I shouldn't be looking at? What am I, what am I concentrating on? And number three, you're going to be, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to change about what I'm looking at? We're going to recalibrate our eyes because our eyes are windows to the soul. So if we let the wrong things in our eyes, I'm going to start with this point and I'm going to finish with this point. God is not as much concerned about the details of every little thing you look at with your eyes. He's absolutely 100% concerned about what gets in your heart. When God says don't look at something, it's not because he's just saying don't do it. He doesn't want it in your heart. If I see something, it may not bother me. But when I stare at something, 
and I focus on it, now that can start to get into my heart. And that's what he's talking about. So we're going to talk about those three things. First, what's the standard? So what's the standard for our eyes? Proverbs 4, verse 20. Have you found it there? It says, uh, this is what does God say is our standard? What does he say to look at? My son or my daughter. You can put either one in there. It's not gender specific. My son or my daughter, give attention to my words. Give attention to, everybody say, my words. Give attention. So when you, have, when you start out a sentence in English and it starts with a verb, there's no subject. Give attention to my words. Then the subject becomes understood you, right? You remember that from, what, eighth grade grammar, whenever that was. You understand that. So now the sentence should read, you, me, speaking to us, you give attention. If you give something, number one, that means you got it. Do you have attention? Yes. Who you give it to is your choice. We all have what's called attention. Someone's a little shorter than others, but we all have it. Our choice, our responsibility is to decide who do we give it to. I can either give my attention to something or not give my attention to something. The power is right here. So who are you giving your attention to? He says, give your attention to my words. Here's the standard for our eyes. Give your attention. That that talks about this word attention means to hear, to listen to, to be attentive or to obey. Give your attention to God's word. Then he goes on the next part and he says, incline your ear to my sayings. Now I like this, incline your ear to my sayings. This is God talking about his words. So his words... Give your attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. That word incline means to lean into, like to bend towards. Illustrate it this way, like a plant. You ever had a plant that's set on a windowsill and in the sunlight, and all of a sudden that plant starts to grow and starts leaning towards the sun? And then you have to rotate that plant that's turned away from the sun. You come back next time you see it, it's growing back towards the sun. This is what he says. I want you to lean into, incline your ear to what I'm saying and away from. So we need to learn to lean towards the sun, S-O-N, lean towards the light. We're going to grow, photosynthesis, we're going to grow spiritually by leaning towards the light. The best way for us to grow in our relationship with God is to keep our ears leaning towards what God says and not what everybody else says. But sometimes you got to rotate, keep yourself pointed in the right direction on a regular basis. Always be leaning towards the sun. So that's what he means when he says, incline your ear to my sayings. Make sure you're focusing towards that. Now look, so we know what the standard is. The standard is his words or his sayings. So look at verse 21. Now that we have the standard, he gives us some instruction on, do not let them, what's them? Them is his words or his sayings. And I'm talking about your Bible first and foremost, the Bible. We can't, can I just make sure and lay this foundation? We can't grow in our relationship with God without seeing the Bible. Look what he says in the next part. He says, do not let them, that's God's word, depart from your eyes. Do not let them depart from your eyes. If we're not going to let God's word depart from our eyes, then that means we got to start having it in front of our eyes. One of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to take good, well-meaning Christian people, love God, want to go to heaven, and convince them 
that they will continue to flourish as a follower of Jesus without reading their Bible. He will convince you of that all the live long day. He will get you to believe this, that if you come to church, that's your spiritual fuel for the week. Then you go home and go on about your week, and then you come back and you hear another sermon. And that's, those sermons are what feeds you. They are not. I mean, I'm not saying the sermon won't help you, but I'm just saying what we need in our life is we have to keep his words in front of our eyes because his words are our life. And he says, do not let them depart from your eyes. So now we got to keep them there. So I encourage you, get some form of discipline daily Bible reading. I'm not saying you got to read six hours a day, but there's a big difference between a six-hour commitment and a 15-minute commitment. There's a lot of room to play in there. <laughs> so you can, you can get something where you put his words before your eyes every day. Get, a, get an app on your phone. Get a daily Bible reading that you read through. I got one I read every day. And I have some Old Testament scriptures. I got a psalm that I read, maybe a New Testament scripture, and I'm reading through the Bible again. This will be my third year in a row reading through the Bible completely. And I just start out with that. It's not complicated. I'm not writing six pages of notes on everything I read. Sometimes I go, hmm, that was good, and I move on. But I want his words before my eyes. Do not let them depart. The word depart means to stray away or go to the right or to the left. And here's what's important. He says, don't deviate from my word. Keep it in front of your eyes. Make sure do not let them depart from your eyes. The word deviate means to stray from a standard. Here's that word standard. To depart from an established course or norm. So once God speaks something to us, we need to keep our eyes. Do not let his word depart from our eyes. In other words, here's what the meaning of that part is. Stay on course. Stay on course. If God promised you something, don't go to the right, don't go to the left, don't compromise. Stay on course. In the movie Patriot, Mel Gibson was talking to his son about what his mother used to tell him. And one of the things she always used to tell him was, stay the course. In your walk with God, sometimes the greatest victory in our life is just consistency. Sometimes the best thing you can do as a Christian is just get up and decide, I'm still going to serve Jesus today. I don't have any goosebumps. I don't have any major revelations. I'm just going to live for Jesus today. Your consistency brings power in your life. Brings power into your life. So you've got to stay the course. Look at your neighbor and tell them, stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't let them depart from your eyes. So now look at the next part. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Now keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep what? Keep God's word. We're recalibrating our eyes. So now we keep our eyes on God's word, what God says. So we're reading the Bible more than we're worrying. How, uh, almost went past you, didn't it? Huh? Here's a trick for you. And keeping the word before your eyes, write it out on little cards, put it in front of your mirror, put it on your dashboard, put it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere that every time you see that scripture, it reminds you of what God said. We got to keep our eyes on that. And then he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Now the word keep is really important. That word keep is the word that means guard or protect. Now hold on. Guard them or protect them in the midst of your heart. If his word, if I'm guarding or protecting his word, then how did it get in my heart? 
It got in my heart through the previous verse where it said, don't let it depart from your eyes because the the eyes are the gates to my heart. So if I will keep his word before my eyes, it will get in my heart. How do I get where I believe what God says? You put it in front of your eyes long enough and it'll start to deposit down in your heart. You glance at it once every three days or once every month or whatever, it's not going to get down in your heart. It's going to be a nice thought, and then you're going to have a 50 bajillion other thoughts that contradict what God's telling you, and you're going to want to quit and give up. But if you will keep it in front of your eyes, it will get in your heart and build faith. This is what we got to do. We got to recalibrate our eyes. Keep it before your eyes. Don't make it just a, a, a Christian ritual that I read my Bible once in a while. No, do it for life. Do it for what God wants to do. So he said, don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They got there through the gates. David said this, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How did he get it there? Because he had to read it. Hide it in your heart that I might not sin against you. So now that's how we get it in our heart is through our eye gates. Why do we guard or protect it? Why do we need to guard or protect the word that gets in our heart? Here's why. Because remember the parable about the man in the Bible. When the Bible talks about seed and soil, you got to get this. Anytime the Bible talks about seed and soil, the seed represents the Bible, God's word, and the soil represents our heart. So when, it's, when the, there's a parable in the Bible about a man, and it says that the man sowed good, soil, good seed into his heart, which is the Bible. But it says, while men slept, the enemy came in and sowed some tares or weeds among his seeds. Why do we need to guard or protect what God has put on the inside of us? Because the enemy, if we take a nap spiritually and let our guard down, if we're not on point, we're not defending something, we're not protecting something, the enemy will come in and he will start planting weeds of offense, of fear, of doubt, of all kinds of issues into our heart. Those seeds will grow up those weeds will grow up and choke out our seeds. So when he says, keep them in the midst of your heart, we got to guard it. So once God says something to you, here's our responsibility. Guard it. Because the enemy wants to catch me napping. And if he can catch me napping, he's going to scatter some weeds. Do you know that's never happened for anybody else before? Do you know the last person that tried to believe that it didn't happen for them? Do you know you've tried that before and it didn't work? What's he trying to do? you got to guard them. Get out of here. you got to cultivate your garden. you got to cultivate your heart. Just like you do that, you got to get out some weeds that are going to grow up and be distractions to you. So keep them in the midst of your heart. That's how I guard and protect it. So now what does the word midst mean? The word midst means in the center, the middle or I like the word focus. Come on. How, do I, how do I guard what God's spoken to me? Number one, the best way to do it is to focus on it. What does the word focus mean? The word focus means to be at the center of attraction, attention, and activity. So here's, here's how I know whether I'm focused on what God says. Does his word what he's saying, I'm not talking, when I say his word, I want to make sure it's practical and understandable. I'm not talking about the Bible's the only thing you think about. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a specific situation that you're dealing with and you're believing what God says about it. So what has God said to you? What scriptures do you have? So now you're saying, this is what God told me in this situation. Does it have my attention? Does it have my activity? In other words, all of my focus, is it either on what God says or, it is, on, or is it on what's going wrong? If I recalibrate my eyes, I will keep my focus on what God says about my situation, about myself, about my marriage, about my job, about my kids, about my feelings. I will stay focused on what he says and not deviate over on what I see with my natural eye. See, recalibrating means that I, I stay focused on that and it has my attention and my activity. So now my actions need to support what I'm focused on. If I'm focused on what's going wrong, my activity will mirror my fears. If my attention on what's going wrong and I give it my focus, then now my behavior will start matching my... Do you see how it works? He says we got to focus on it. How do I guard it? As I make it the center of my idea. That when everything else over here... that center, You know when one thing is in focus, everything else gets blurry? If you really focus on something, then that centerpiece is going to be clear and everything else is going to start to be blurry. And that's what he's talking about. He said, telling me, Chad, I want you to stay focused on what I say. I know, God, but look at this is happening. This is not happening. This is what other people say. I know, but what did I say? Stay focused. Keep them in the midst of your heart, the centerpiece. So what God's saying to us is make it a priority. Stay focused. Are you with me? Tell your neighbor, stay focused. Stay focused on what God's telling them to do. All right, so now we have the standard. It's God's words and God's sayings. Now we've got to see the difference. Step two, God tells me what to look at. I'm supposed to, okay, Chad, I got this. You're supposed to look at God's words and God's sayings. Check. But now we've got to measure what are we looking at. What has our focus? What has our attention? Let's look in verses 25 through verse 27. The next verses are all good. I just had to tell myself I'm not going to preach them. Verse 22, for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. There's a lot to be said here, but we're going to move through it. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Maybe I need to read that one again. Put away, in case we just glossed over that too quick. We'll recalibrate our mouths next week, but I'll just give you a warm-up. Put away from you a deceitful or devious smart aleck mouth. I'm just adding stuff right now. <laughs> and, put, and put perverse lips far from you. That word perverse, it's twisted. I'll save that for next week. Just say I receive and move on. And then verse 25. Let your eyes... Look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. How are all your ways going to be established? Because you keep your eyes straight ahead on what God's told you. Yes. He will establish all of our ways. He will never leave anything undone. Keep, then verse 27, do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So what's the difference? What am I looking at? He tells us in verse 25, let your eyes look where? One more time. Let your eyes look where? Straight ahead, straight forward. 
Let your eyes, again, it's starting with a verb, so that means it's understood subject, so you and I have a responsibility. Let your eyes look where? Straight ahead. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left. He does not say there won't be things to see on your right or left. He does not say there won't be things that you could look at on your right or your left that could discourage you. He said, let your eyes look straight ahead. We've all got peripheral vision. And that's great to have. You see things out of the corner of the eye. I see people over here. I see people over here. But they don't come into focus unless I look at them. Once I look at them, then now they get my focus. You're going to see things that may try and discourage you in your walk with God. Just don't look at them. Well, I can't help it. They're right there. Eyes straight ahead. That's what he's telling you. Keep your eyes straight ahead on what I'm telling you. When he says straight ahead, that means not even looking behind you. Too many times the enemy will try and get us discouraged because we start looking behind of what we used to do. What we used to be. All the mess we've made. All the problems we've had. All the issues we've had. When people give their life to Jesus, we give them, when water baptism, that water baptism is for them to come into an agreement with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That my old life, boom, dead. I come up to newness of life. Now don't look back unless it's to learn. I'm all for looking back for two things and two things alone. Number one, I want to learn from my past. Number two, if I need to revisit to rectify something. I may need to go back and look at something that I've done that I need to repent of, I need to readdress. I'm all for that. But as far as living my life, live your life through the windshield, not through the rearview mirror. Don't try and drive down the highway looking through the rearview mirror. At least not while I'm around. Do it on your own time. So he says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Straight ahead. We're not looking backwards. What, what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? It didn't turn out so good for her. She turned into a pillar of salt. God says, when I call... Whew. God says, when I ask you to walk away from something, don't look back to it. If I ask you to walk away from a relationship, don't mamby-pamby the separation and make it last a lot longer. Mm. I'm going to help somebody dating right now. When God, <laughs> I'm just let it run around the track. If God tells you to walk away from a habit, you walk away from it, don't look back. God's strength will support your decisions. God won't make any decisions for us, but he will strengthen the decisions that we make with him. So look straight ahead. Paul said, one thing I've learned, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forward to the things that are in front of me, ahead of me. So keep reaching forward. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Recalibrate your eyes. Stop being focused on who you used to be and be focused on who you can be. I know, but I've messed up so many times. People's not even going to believe me when I say I've changed. Who cares what people believe? Do you believe it? If you will believe it, it will change your tomorrow. It does. If you're waiting for everybody to, to believe something for it validates your belief, you're never going to walk in everything that God has for you. But if we will believe it on the inside, inside and say, hey, I'm just going to have to do it for myself, God's going to do some great things in your life. You got to believe it. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes straight forward. Look at the next part. He says, and keep your eyelids right before you. Right before you. That word right before you. Here's a picture. Maybe you've struggled with this. Here's a problem for me in following God. I have a tendency. I want to know that if I take step one, 
that you will please tell me what will happen on step 12. (laughs) That says, keep your eyelids right in front of you. The Bible says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's what we need to understand about the word of God. It's a lamp, not a high beam, LED, two-mile light. It's a lamp. Sometimes God asks you to take a step every day, and you don't know where you're going. He may put something on your heart and say, hey, walk this way. Well, where am I going? One foot in front of the other. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. It's a lamp. It's a lamp. You're not, you may not know. I've, I've asked some, during this prayer and fasting, I've really been pressing in saying, God, I, I want to go to a whole new level with you. So I'm just saying, God, I want more. I want to die more, all this stuff, you know, all these great things you can say to God until he asks you to actually do it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So I said, all right, God. I was up in prayer. He got me up in the, in the morning. I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I'm just telling you it wouldn't happen. Anyway, I got up, and, and God put something on my heart. I want you to do this. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so then I said, well, what's going to happen if I do it? You know what I heard from him? Nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord, so I get you. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. So what's going to happen if I do it? Crickets. <laughs> three things this week God put on my heart and he said, I want you to do this. Did not tell me what would happen. All three of them turned out to be miracles. I'm not making hyperbole or whatever. They were miraculous. Sometimes we don't know what's going to happen, but we're never going to know unless we take the first step. Keep your eyelids right before you. Keep your eyes down. You just keep taking steps. Recalibrate your eyes to stop thinking you've got to see 10 years in advance and look at today. We're so worried about tomorrow. Jesus even said, tomorrow has enough worry on its own. Just focus on today. Eyelids right before you, right down in front of you. So now there's the difference. What am I looking at versus what I'm supposed to look at? Standard is God's word. So now the last part is we got to conform. Conformity. Conformity is we realize what God's wanting me to look at. I realize what I'm focused on and what I'm looking at. So now what am I going to change to get my eyes on the right thing? Conformity. Let's see how it works. How do we change ourselves? How do we make those decisions? How do we make those changes? I'm going to give three conditions as we close out today. I'll go through them fairly quickly. It won't take long. Three conditions that we need to recalibrate. And I'm going to ask you to evaluate your own life. Because in our life, somewhere, we are all dealing with one or all of these three issues. These three conditions. I promise you. We're dealing with them. Number one, you see it, it's, it's darkness. They're all D's, so it'll be easy for you to remember. This is a condition that now I choose to apply, Lord, are there areas in my life where I am looking, my, I need to recalibrate my eyes because I am in darkness. What does darkness mean? I'm blind. I've got a blind spot. You ever had this thing where people said this about somebody, that they're just in the dark on a situation? What's that mean? That they're blind. They don't know what's going on. There's an old saying that says, we don't know what we don't know. Pretty profound. But it's absolutely true. So we have to ask God, the the solution for darkness is light. So when we don't know 
what's going wrong in our life, we need to ask God to bring the light of God into our life to show us. Otherwise, we're just groping around in the dark. You ever got up in the nighttime? You know, if you're familiar with your house, that's one thing. But if you go to somebody else's house, you go stay in a hotel or something, and you get up and it's pitch black, you're trying to find your way around, boom, ah, oh, bumping into things, saying, praise the Lord, whatever you may say. Say, thank you, Jesus. I'll let you put in whatever you say and you just work it out with God. But it, you're... We're bumbling around. When we're in this condition with our eyes, this is what it looks like. We're bumbling around and we keep running into things that if the light was on, we would never run into it. Why do we keep making those mistakes? It's because we're living in darkness. If the light's on, we don't have any problem working around that coffee table. We sidestep it. It's no problem. But when we get darkness into our lives, we bump into stuff. We're hurting ourselves with things that shouldn't be hurting us. So God says, I want to bring an awareness to and a light to your blind spots. We've all got them. You know, even, even uh, in the body, in the, where the optic, no, optic nerve, see how it's, I want to make sure I say it the right way. The optic nerve passes through the optic disc. That's the word. The optic nerve passes through the optic disc. There is a literal blind spot on every human being. It's seven and a half degrees high by five and a half degrees wide. But our brain is so good at tying together visual clues that we really don't notice our blind spot very often. But it's a literal gap. But in that gap is where we're susceptible to misunderstanding, misjudgments, and mistakes. Our blind spots is where we can make a move and, and make, miss that step. You know, you go to step, and you miss it, and you trip. Why? Maybe it got in your blind spot. Maybe you got bifocals. You know what's look? You're trying to look down through whatever. What, whatever may be for you that you like creates that blind spot. In driver's ed, what's one of the first things they teach us? Check your blind spot. Why? Because your blind spot could be a cause of an accident. Well, God wants to bring an awareness to our spiritual blind spots because if we don't do something with them, it could cause us an accident. You know, one person, let's just put it this way. Two people you need to help you with blind spots. And neither one of them is you. Because we protect our blind spots. We justify our blind spots. I'm good. No, I don't have any problem there. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have a problem. You need two people. Number one, you need the Holy Spirit. Number two, you need a good friend. One of the things is I'm dying here and prayer fasting, asking the Lord to help me. So God show me things. And so he started to show some things. I was like, well, what? <laughs> that's not a problem. What are you talking about? I'm going to let you see something that I want you to see because I want to help you with something that you're not seeing. See, God will never highlight anything in your life. Can I just encourage you? God will never expose anything in your life but for one reason, that's to help you. So if you're dealing with darkness, I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear that the light of God has come to shine in your darkness and to remove blind spots. Get somebody to trust. Number two, so darkness is a condition we've got to fix. Number two, after we have darkness, we've got damage. Here's something that impairs our vision. We need to recalibrate our eyes because we got damage. The parable, maybe you've heard of it. 
But there's this guy who wanted to get this speck out of his friend's eye. But the problem was he couldn't see clearly to get it out because he had this raging beam in his own eye. So the Bible says, first, remove the log or the beam out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly, see clearly to help. Here's what I'm convinced of. How many knows it would be a little bit of damage to have a log in your eye? It would be hard to see clearly what you should do, what you shouldn't do when you have this log. What does that log represent? That log could represent an offense. That log could represent unforgiveness in your life. That log could represent a hurt where someone's hurt you. We, we got to realize that log is there. And until we get it removed, I can't even see clearly to help anybody else because my vision is impaired. I need to recalibrate my eyes because what happens... Remember I told you earlier, we see things not necessarily as they are. We see them as we see them. Sometimes when we have a log in our eye, I can't even see clearly to judge the motives of someone else. So what do I have to do? I have to get that out. Even if that log got into your eye and it wasn't your fault. Sometimes people will throw a log in your eye. But it is not. Man, this is tough. But hear me, it is not someone else's responsibility to get my log out of my eye. They may want me to keep that log. I've got to partner with the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me remove this log out of my eye so I can see clearly what your heart is for this person. So we got to heal some damage. The solution for a damaged eye is the healing of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that God will remove some logs today. Remove some issues, remove some hurts, things that you're just not able to see clearly because you just got some damage in your eye. Lastly, and this is a huge one I believe in our life, the third D is distraction. I believe we want to look at the right things sometimes. We want to keep focused on what God's saying, but we get distracted. And I believe one of the big reasons why we get distracted is because we start looking with the wrong eye. Let me say this, you've got two different sets of eyes you can look through every day. You've got natural eyes in your head. And then you've got spiritual eyes. You're like, spiritual eyes? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You're like, what does that mean? How does that have to do anything? The word understanding there is not a, a right translation of that word. I'm not knocking New King James or whoever. The word understanding is a Greek word, cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. It's where we get our word cardiac. It means the heart. So that scripture should better read, the eyes of your heart or your spirit, it's not talking about my physical organ, the eyes of your spirit be enlightened. So now, when I'm looking at a situation, I get distracted sometimes because I'm looking too much through my natural eye instead of my spiritual eye. I'm looking at what's happening instead of what God said. We need to be able to see things through our heart eyes before we see them with our natural eyes. We've got to see it here before we see it here. Here first. What did God say? How do I see it here? I don't let it depart from my eyes. 
I keep it going in my eyes, in my eyes. And then it gets down in my heart. And then I guard it. I protect what God says. And then I recalibrate my eyes. When I see the opposite, I see something trying to discourage me, trying to get me to quit, trying to get me, get me to give up. I say, nope, I can't. I'm not looking at you. I see you, but I'm not looking at you. I'm staying focused on what God said. You said, Chad, I tried that and it didn't work for me. I don't know what you tried, didn't try. I'm not here to judge all of that. I'm just saying this is what God's telling you. To do not let my words depart from your eyes. Guard them in your heart and keep focus straight ahead. Don't get distracted by other things. Because the basis of everything that I'm talking about is this one thing that I started with and I'll finish it with it. God, all he's concerned about is our heart. It's not that God's saying to you and me, he's not saying, don't you dare look at that. It's not because he's trying to just be hypercritical or or controlling. He's saying, don't let it get in your heart. And he knows if we focus on something long enough, it will get in our hearts. You know what I'm talking about? When you focus on a situation, a complication, so much. You focus on the problem. You're rehearsing it. You're analyzing it. You're staring at it six different ways. All you can think about is the problem. God says, recalibrate your eyes. What do I say? Get your focus, your attention back on what I said. Because what you put in you, in your gate, what you allow in your gate is what's going to grow in your heart. The seeds that you allow in, if you will focus long enough on what people did to you and justify yourself, guess what? It's going to grow a crop of bitterness on the inside of you. And it's not going to be their problem. It's going to be our problem. It's going to be your problem. This is why we got to watch what comes in our gates. So we're recalibrating our eyes. So this is what I want to do today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say that to God. What is, what is the standard for my eyes? What am I supposed to be looking at in your situation? You're going to apply it right now. You're going to say, okay, God, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what has consumed me. My attention, I'm so worried about this situation and how it's going to turn out that now worry has consumed you. Well, now recalibrate your eyes and find out what God says about it and see if he can't bring peace in the midst of your storm. 